from the center of the universe and the home of your Grey Cup champion, Toronto Argonauts. It's the X's and Argos podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos post-game reaction podcast brought to you by Something in the Water Brewing. Ben Grant joined as always by JB as the Toronto Argonauts lose 34-23 to the Ottawa Red Blacks in their second and final preseason game. But JB, I think more importantly, as a, aside from the score, and obviously everyone wants to win the game, everything else, but I think the coaches probably have enough data to make the decisions they need to make today. And we'll talk about all the details coming up, go through some stats, go through what we saw in just a moment time. But first, I just want to tell you a little bit about Something in the Water Brewing, our title sponsor. Something in the Water Brewing has Longboat Pale Ale coming out soon. Soon. And there's going to be opportunities related to the Exes and Argos podcast that are going to give you perhaps a sneak peek into what Longboat Pale Ale is all about. That's going to be coming up soon. And right now, as I sit here post-game, it is getting into the wee hours of the morning. Uh, I've got a Hazy Maitland IPA on the go, which is one of my go-tos, one of my favorites. And if you're not familiar with something in the water brewing, they're in Liberty Village, just steps away from the Argos practice facility at... um, at Lamport Stadium and a stone's throw from BMO Field, uh, where, of course, the Argos play their home games. So something in the water brewing, our title sponsor. Make sure you check them out. You can go to their website. You can drop by their location in Liberty Village. All right, JB, uh, first of all, I, we're going to have to talk about the quarterbacks. I think that's probably the question on most people's minds. But before we even get to that, uh, just overall, the atmosphere of this game in Guelph, this is the second year they've done that there. Uh, that is a great place to watch a CFL game. I know it was a beautiful night, a little hot when we first got there, but you know what a fantastic venue to see a CFL game from. Yeah, it's gorgeous. It's, uh, it's got a real like uh, small town college feel to it. Um, you know, it's, it, it's, everything is really nice and, and well uh, maintained and you know, not not second rate, but uh, everything is scaled down. Um, so yeah, I mean, it would have been <laughs> would have been fun if the game had been a little more exciting, but uh, you can't knock the venue. And I think for a preseason game, it was pretty. We've seen some dogs of preseason games, and at least this one had some had some competitive bite to it. And I, I think, you know, just sort of looking at the the flow of the game, Toronto had a lot of starters to begin with. Not all, certainly. There's a lot of key guys missing, but they had certainly more starters than the Ottawa Redblacks had out there. And honestly, if you look play to play, for the most part, I felt like Toronto dominated that first half. And in the second half, it was far more an even game. But that first half was dominated, I, I felt, by the Argos, and yet at halftime, the score was 20-10 in favor of the Red Blacks, and it just didn't feel like that kind of game. I really felt like Toronto was the better team, but Ottawa found a way to make big plays, and that was the difference. Yeah, I mean, the the secondary had had its issues again, uh, defending the deep pass and, and having bus in their deep zone coverage, which is probably the only probably red flag um, that, that were raised in the two games. I mean, I, I would say if you look at the two preseason games, I, I couldn't care less about the score. Everything looked pretty good across the board. Um, for me, the 
defense bus on the deep coverage and the second quarterback backup quarterback those are those are the two questions that I think they did not answer in the preseason now one thing I'll say to defend the coverage because I agree with you it it wasn't uh, it just wasn't up to par the coverage was too loose last week we saw Hamilton receivers running open all over the place and we saw a lot of that again today you just look at sort of the in terms of the stats like the the long receptions you have Butler with a 62 yarder Mariner with a 57 yarder add to that a 60 yard pass interference penalty and then a really long quarterback run from Crum on on the Red Blacks those four plays those two long passes the penalty the long quarterback run each of those plays contributed to a major score. And that was the difference. Toronto just didn't have that. They didn't have anything like that. There was a 46-yarder that, that Brissett had, but that that was the only thing. And that was a catch and run. It wasn't a, a deep bomb like we saw. And to defend the secondary, which is where I started out on this, it takes time. You've got guys in different places. You had some of the projected starting secondary out there. You had Mechie and, and Amos and Pickett. But then you had Caleb Holden. We don't know if, how much he's going to be out there. Qantas Stiggers was playing at, at corner, and, and we didn't see McFadden out there either. So you've got a, a few new pieces playing with some guys that have been out there before. And when you've got a scenario like that, it takes time. You've got to have communication, and especially in zone coverage, if you don't have that familiarity, there are going to be they're going to be voids. There's going to be holes, and that was a real problem today. We saw busts, and it, don't forget that's not different to what we saw last year. The season opened last year with the Argos seemingly unable to play cover two without a bust up the sideline, and so we saw firsthand it takes time, and that secondary was fine in the in the long run but it took a little bit of it just took a few games to sort it all out so let's get into i think the question on everyone's mind which is the quarterback play i will say for starters we know there's no question about who the number one quarterback is that's chad kelly that's already been decided he will be the argos opening day quarterback i thought as much as there were questions about the other guys Chad Kelly looked good, looked like he belonged, looked like a professional quarterback. He wasn't in there long. I think he had three series. For, was it two series or three series? He went four or five for 105 yards. And yeah, looked every bit the part of a starting quarterback. Yeah, he looked great. He had two fantastic um, you know, bullet throws over the middle. Had a beautiful deep ball. Uh, that you know didn't have too much arc on it got down there in a hurry that they ended up getting a pi on uh so that was really exciting he i mean he did have a bad pass into the red zone on the scramble that probably should have been picked and that that was a little worrying because that i mean that's the difference between a veteran quarterback and and somebody with less experience is is on that scramble still trying to kind of gunsling your way into a touchdown instead of living to fight again. So there will be growing pains for sure, but the talent is there and, and the, the offense moved really smoothly with him. So I, I can't be anything but positive about what it looked like. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And the mistake he made, so the first drive, they went all the way down the field, scored a touchdown. Second drive, they went all the way down the field 
and that's when the near pick happened. And it's just a ball that shouldn't have been thrown. He threw it into double coverage. He was trying to buy time, trying to find something. He didn't. He didn't panic. It didn't feel like that sort of thing. He set his feet. Uh, there was, uh, if I recall correctly, they had a, a Ottawa had a twist on the go. He took a quick peek at it just to make sure he had time. He saw his line pick it up, which is a good sign. And then he reset his feet and delivered a ball that just you, you had no shot of completing into double coverage. Now, we saw him do that last year in his brief appearance in that Montreal game where he did throw a ball to um, to Breskison that had no business being thrown. And Breskison somehow came down with it for a touchdown and Brissette on another one where you're just like, where is he going with this ball? So he will try to let his receivers make plays. But what I thought was a real positive, so it wasn't picked off. It was just out of bounds. And maybe that's by design. They kick a field goal. They're up 10 nothing. What I think I'll take away from that is the next time Chad Kelly had an opportunity to make a play downfield and make what might have been an ill-advised pass, he decided not to, and he ended up running with the ball, uh, tucking it and running and just taking the yardage that was there, which actually did get them into field goal range. Now, they elected not to kick a field goal with Alfredo Gauches, but they could have. They were certainly within his striking distance. I think at that stage of the game, Coach Dinwiddie just wanted to see the punting unit out there trying to execute a coffin corner because it was something they had an opportunity to do with that field position, so they did it. But I, I think really Chad Kelly, in a situation where he could have again thrown a ball up, showed that, okay, this is not the time and place for a risk. I'm just going to tuck it, run with it, get some yards, and a team-first decision get us in field goal range. In terms of the other three quarterbacks, I don't know. I think I think Ben Holmes is is in trouble. I, I don't see the Argos keeping four. I don't think there's any way they do. Maybe, but I, I don't think they're going to use up two practice squad spots on a quarterback. I think they're going to go with two, have a third guy in the practice roster. And I think one of these guys is unfortunately going to be cut come the weekend. And just based on the fact that Ben Holmes really struggled last week, and came out today and went two for eight for 33 yards and a pick that really wasn't his fault. It was sort of desperation mode at the end. I just don't think he he did enough. And I would have had him as the favorite coming into camp. And I think the Argos did too. Remember, he was the starter in last week's game when Chad Kelly couldn't go. But I just think if it's based on performance in these games alone, I just don't think you can go with Ben Holmes. No, he... He he had a couple of nice throws, but he, not enough. And and you know he was picked, and it just didn't look good. I know that I'm sure his confidence is pretty pretty shattered because the the team doesn't, or at least the coaching staff doesn't seem to have him penciled in as the number two quarterback. And uh, yeah, you know that that's probably bleeding into his game. And then when he plays. In the fourth quarter, you have less talent at receiver, less talent on the line, so that can compound compound issues. But he, I mean, to be honest, none of them look like a backup to me. Um, so I I I didn't know what to make of the order that they were bringing people out. But I would assume coming out last probably means that they're moving moving on without you. And it's not a good sign when you're playing against 
probably the lowest level of competition. And I know you don't necessarily have all the pieces out there with you either, but I didn't even like what I saw from Ben Holmes body language in terms of confidence. Cause you, you talked about that. We know how important confidence is for a quarterback It's huge. And he came out there in the fourth quarter. His first pass was, was bounced to his receivers and he hung his head. And that's not something I've seen Ben Holmes do before. This is a, this is a historically accurate quarterback, a guy that really didn't throw interceptions in college. He's he's not accustomed to this. And then to throw three picks in two games in which he, you know, we're not talking about like two full games. This is not even not even totaling an entire game. It's just uncharacteristic for him. And I think he just lost a, a little bit of his edge today. And so, yeah, I think he's probably on the in the bottom of this group. But let's talk about the other two guys. So uh, Brian Scott, uh, maybe we'll start with Brian Scott last week and this week. I know he hasn't necessarily been the most exciting quarterback. And I think that's sort of like what you were saying when when you were talking about them not necessarily impressing. But I don't think Brian Scott has really made mistakes. Again, today, he was accurate, 6 of 9, 48 yards. Very similar last week. He's not launching the ball downfield. He's not really taking chances. But he's just playing smart, consistent football. And I think if you're looking for a number two in this crowd, I think you have to think it's Brian Scott at this point. Because a backup quarterback, like you said, I don't know if any of these guys, if something happens to Chad Kelly and he's out for the year, I think Toronto's making a move. I think they're finding someone else. I don't think they're going to roll with with one of these other guys. I could be wrong. I don't see that happening. And so really what we're talking about is somebody to fill in. If something happens to Chad Kelly in-game, someone's got to go in and preserve a lead. I think probably Brian Scott's your guy because he's shown that he can play smart football. Um, yeah, you, you seem more excited than I do about him. Um, he, he, yeah, he, he definitely does not take unnecessary risks, but I, I, I mean, I, I guess it's nitpicking. I, I didn't see anything to get excited about with him. Um, I, I'm a believer that you should always be looking to develop every position. So I would like the backup quarterback to be somebody who, who is potentially being turned into a a prospect or something you can trade or potentially your quarterback. So I, I'm not crazy about the ceiling of, of the quarterbacks currently. So I'd, I hope they keep looking. I think Cam Dukes, to me, is a really good practice squad quarterback because I think we did see flashes and there was some chaos that came along with his game, especially last week. There was less of that today. We didn't see any underhand passes or jump passes or or anything bizarre like that. We saw a lot of scrambling. He had an opportunity to really make a play and didn't. He uh, drove the Argos down the field. They were knocking on the doorstep. Coach Dinwiddie elects to go for it on third and goal. I think it was from like the seven-yard line or something like that. He rolls to his right, and he had an opportunity. There was a decision moment that he had to make where he could tuck the ball and run, and I think he gets in the end zone. If not in the end zone, he's really close. It's, it's I, I don't know. I think he's probably there. He's a good runner. Or... He has to wait it out for his receiver to get open and then throw him the ball. I think it was Ungerer that was that was on that side of the field. So he elected to pass, which I applaud. Again, as, as a quarterback who is a rushing threat, 
too often you see young quarterbacks just immediately tuck and run, never make the pass. But Dukes was looking to throw first today. But I think that probably was the wrong call. Probably should have run it in. He decides to pass it, has an open David Ungerer, ends up throwing it well over his head. And that was a turnover on downs. And that could have been a turning point in the game, but it also was an opportunity to show what he had there. And it was an opportunity he let slip through his fingers. So I think that was a real moment with Dukes where the coaching staff is going to look at that and say, this is a quarterback that has shown us enough that we want to keep him around and we want to see what he can do with more time, but he needs practice squad time. In terms of the running backs, I I think the big question we had was looking at the, the two Americans in Deontay McMahon and Javon Leak. Javon Leak with the team last year, kick returner, punt returner, doing similar duties in preseason this year, got a, a carry, caught a ball out of the backfield. It kind of feels like it's one of those two guys, right? Like there's not going to be, I, I don't think we're going to see both of them let go. And I don't think the team is going to be able to keep both of them. So who do you go with if you're a coach Dinwiddie, McMahon or Leak? I like Leak. I thought Leak played well last year, but Leak has a, uh, I think I think we've seen what Leak is. I, I don't I don't think Leak has another uh, another level to him. Um, so if if I'm choosing between the two, I'm probably going with McMahon and seeing what we have there. I think that they're probably seeing more in practice than than we're seeing in the game, and they're maybe they think they might be able to sneak him onto the practice squad um, by how little you know, the few carries that he was given today. But I I don't think Leak playing in the fourth quarter was a good sign for him. Um, you know, I don't think uh, BJ Bird being really good at uh, running back kicks was helpful to him. Um, I think Leak is probably the odd man out and, and they, they take a shot at the higher ceiling. I think it was really telling that the Argos had four different punt returners and five, six, five different kickoff returners. Yeah, they were clearly giving guys a chance to add something to their resume to to make their case. Oh, I wasn't even thinking of it like that. I was just thinking of it as being maybe the writing on the wall for Leak because oh, like, yeah. like yeah. you said, we we know what Leak is. Leak's value to the team is as a kick returner, punt returner. We saw he, he was great at that. Had, had, without any blocking, managed to make things work and had a really nice return in the Grey Cup. As a running back, we know he's good at jet sweeps. He's nice at getting to the outside, but he didn't ever seem to show another element to his game. And I really like Leak. I would hate to see him go. But I think you don't necessarily know what Deontay McMahon is. And that's, I think, probably worth taking a a closer look at in the regular season over holding on to Javon Leak for just punt returns, kickoff returns. And I think that's why they were auditioning so many guys, just to make sure, okay, if we do let go of Leak and we keep McMahon, do we have other guys that can fill the void? And I think that was answered. Let's talk about some of those returners, and that'll transition us to to, uh, talking about receivers too. B.J. Bird had one punt return. 
took it back 84 yards. There may have been a block on the back on that play that wasn't called, but it was a terrific run back from B.J. Bird. Uh, he, he found space, made guys miss, and then showed a gear that we, we hadn't really seen before. And, and then on, on kickoff return, you had a 68-yard return from Mason Pierce, cornerback, who, uh, again, did a lot of that work on his own. He, he had a seam. He had a space to, to fly through initially, but then he had to do a lot of the work after that. And uh, I think between both of those guys, uh, I think there are at least uh, some options there. And I think BJ Bird can probably do both those jobs too. So I, I don't think they're going to be lacking in terms of kick return, punt return, if they let go of Javon Leak, as much as I hate to see him go. Uh, receivers, who stands out to you? Among the Americans, maybe let's talk about that first. Uh, did anyone make a case for you as an American that aside from DeVars Daniels, Marquise Ambles, we know they're staying. Who else is staying on this team? It could be the, definitely the hardest decision. Uh, I don't know how they're going to decide um, to keep or how many they're going to keep. Um, you know, not all of them are going to be able to be special teams. To me, Bird made the team tonight. Uh, he he looks good. I know. Granted, it's only in the fourth quarter and against secondary competition, but you know he runs a nice route. Quarterbacks like him. He has good hands. He's he's shifty and uh, elusive um, as a receiver, and he's shown a real comfort with kick return. Um, so I th- to me, he made the team. Um, I'm really excited about Johnson. I th- I think he can be an a really nice addition to the team. Uh, he can be a red zone target. He, maybe, you know, not to repeat myself, but maybe they think they can sneak him on to the, the practice squad. Um, I think Lonnie Moore probably lost his job to, uh, lost his job to bird. Um, I, I don't know what you do about Phillips. He has not, I mean, again, we're not privy to what happens at practice, so it, we are kind of just shooting in the dark. Um, but he has not shown shown very much. And, you know, there are a couple of guys on the team that are kind of the same as him. I'm, I'm not sure they necessarily keep those guys who are all kind of the same receiver. I think probably one of those guys gets cut. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I agree with you on Moore. Moore was... Moore was the hero of the double blue game uh, going back uh, a week and a half ago. And we thought they had maybe found the next uh, good uh, boundary slot receiver. But he was invisible last week. He only had, I think, one catch today on two targets. Uh, The other looked like a catch initially was a drop. Uh, But yeah, one catch for 11 yards. When you've got B.J. Bird with three catches, 46 yards, and... Uh, a special teams touchdown. I think if those two are competing together, how do you not go with Bird? Three touchdowns in two games. You can't, you just can't. You can't let go. You certainly can't sneak a guy like that onto the practice squad. It's just not going to happen. And so I think BJ Bird is in this lineup. But it's a good question. Like, I, I really like Cam Phillips. I think he showed us a lot last season. He hasn't done it in the two preseason games, but like you said, we're not there, you know, for every minute of camp. We're not in meetings. We're not seeing all the other stuff. I, I have a hard time believing Cam Phillips is going anywhere. And so then we're looking at Jeremiah Hedell uh, and 
you know, beyond that, Rajay Johnson, you, you brought up, like he didn't have a target today. I think, I think you're right. I think they're hoping that he can be a practice squad player. So I don't expect, there's just not room. You can't, I don't think you can have, you just can't have even half of these guys on the roster. Yeah, and, and so, I think they probably can get him on. I, I don't think anybody, I think Bird gets taken. I don't think Johnson does. I, yeah, I agree. I mean, you never know. Sometimes Ottawa loves to stick it to Toronto um, and they need everything. So that's an issue, but I I don't I think they can get Johnson on the practice squad. I think Montreal is desperate right now. I would see I would see guys going out that way, especially Philpot now uh, with re-injuring his hamstring. Uh, I wouldn't trust uh, Montreal not to make a play for any of the the receivers that that Toronto cuts. So yeah, I I think I think you're probably looking. I I do think Phillips stays around, and then uh, after that. Uh, yeah, I don't I th- know. I'm not sure. I, I I do think one thing that comes up for the team is again the 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 ceiling conversation, and you I I think we've like I guess it it comes down to do you think Phillips has another gear? Is there is there more there than than what we've seen? What we've seen was okay, and sometimes good. But on the whole, not much more than okay. I, I would I would put forward is does he have another gear? Um, do you want to take somebody who who might have more more kind of game breaking? It's I don't know. It's 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 a very tough um, it's a tough equation. And then moving on to our last positional group on the offense offensive line, you had uh, the starting group. Um, stayed out there with Chad Kelly for his series, and then they started rolling guys in. Uh, it wasn't what we anticipate being the full group of starters. Obviously, Nicastro, Dejan Allen, you expect to be out there. Ryan Hunter, you expect to be out there. Uh, we're really not sure otherwise about McKellar. Uh, they had Shane Richards playing left tackle. He suffered an injury, unfortunately. We don't know anything. We don't have a medical report. It didn't look good at all. It was just a weird freak injury. He caught his he caught his ankle on the ankle of Dylan Giffen uh, in pass blocking, and it just it was the the freakiest of injuries that you could never possibly duplicate. But he was in a lot of pain on the ground when the trainers were out dealing with him, and he didn't seem to be able to put any weight at all on it. And he was carried out at halftime, and I didn't see him return. I expect he probably went, I, w- I would think, to get x-rays at that point. It um, it didn't look like this was going to be a short-term injury. But again, we don't know. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. But that seemed like a, a pretty big loss for Toronto. Um, I thought Ryan Hunter really separated himself from his time in there. He just, he stands out. When you've got a group that's not your top tier, your best of everyone out there, especially the Ottawa defense wasn't sending out their number one unit. Ryan Hunter is such a valuable valuable offensive lineman for the Argos, not just in the run blocking. He made a key block on the rushing touchdown that A.J. Olette got. Um, but yeah, he stood out as a, as a real positive. I'm excited to see him out there again this season. Anyone else stand out to you on the line or anyone you're, that you weren't expecting um, to see? No, I, I thought the line played okay tonight. I, I, you know, I don't think I agree with you. I don't think Ottawa put tons of pressure on them, but I thought they played okay. It didn't the line didn't collapse? It again speaks to the quarterback evaluation. I feel like it's a a fair quarterback evaluation. They weren't running for their lives, really. Um, 
a little bit, but but on the whole, I think the quarterback could stand in the pocket. So no, nobody jumped out on the line uh, for me in terms of, you know, players who I, I think the picks are pretty easy at the line. Um, but defensively, there were a couple that jumped out. Yeah, and I think just last comment on the line, but I, I do think the guys that we expected should look good did look good. And the guys that are new that you don't know much about look like they were new. And there's a reason you don't know much about them. Like it was it was just pretty clear. The guys who were supposed to play well played well. On the defensive side of the ball, I could not take, let's start with the D-line. I could not take my eyes off Flo Rimalade. He was not out there long for a few series. He is so fast. He is a deadly inside spin move. And the poor left tackle for Ottawa, Powers, that was trying to block him, just had no hope. Arimalade didn't end up with huge stats by any means, but there he was inches away from sack fumbles on a few different occasions. He, he actually almost got to a, a running back draw. He almost tackled the quarterback before the quarterback gave the running back the ball in a draw play in the end zone. And it actually caused the quarterback to, to rush the draw play, which blew it up. So he's a difference maker. And I know he's not playing against top tier competition in this game, but man, he was so far ahead of things. I'm excited to see what he can do in the regular season. I think at this point, you've got to say, I know he's paid a lot of money, but I, I'm thinking it's worth it right now. Yeah, he he looks uh, he looks great. I thought he looked great, um, and you know, going along with that theme of of how good Toronto has been at signing free agents, the picket looks amazing. Oh yeah, uh, he was all over the field tonight in a bunch of different positions, different roles, different skill sets. Um, he, he, for me, he was a guy I could take my eye off. He he his first step on blitzes, he was just there a couple of times on sacks. Uh, his drops. Um, when dropping in the zone are so smooth, he's definitely got the DB, the DB jeans or the DB hips. Um, tackling in space, uh, flying in on run cleanup. I, I mean, for a will, he was fantastic. I mean, he was, it was really, really impressive to watch him. Yeah, and it's one well, in in the Canadian league. It's it would be the Sam spot or the cover well, linebacker. Well, the Sam, but of course, I know. Yeah, I always, and I always I know, forget that Sam they, is not the strong in it. Canadian football. But yeah, they, football. we just started calling them cover linebackers because it's just easier because it's not really a Sam spot. It's not really a linebacker spot at all. You're playing a DB spot. That's sort <laughs> well, of a, also, we should be called the Will. So he, yeah, he was great. And how about the block he made on that first kickoff return? where he was the off returner you had leak on the other side and that was that was the one that leak had some success with he came around the outside but pickett just annihilated his guy as the lead on the play and you understand when you see that why he's back there and i know last week we were wondering about it but that's the reason he came in and just unloaded on someone and that sprung leak for a big return but he was also a gunner on their punt team, got downfield, made a play there. Uh, he was all over the field, and you talked about his hips smoothly dropping into cover two uh, from a position where he looked like he might be blitzing, and then suddenly he's got deep boundary and, and a cover two look. Uh, yeah, Pickett was was uh, playing at an all-star level tonight. Yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't be more excited to watch that linebacker crew, like what they do with those linebackers, how they substitute in, but... If you're looking at him, 
and Williams and, and McManus and Moamba, um, you know, it's it, that that front eight we talked about in the the preseason, making all the difference for the secondary. That that's really going to change the tenor of that defense when there's not going to be time to throw that deep ball because that front eight is going to be eating. I thought um, as well as the the linebackers, and actually I'll just add on to the Jordan Williams thing too. Like he he didn't play that many snaps either, but he's also another guy that's super fun to watch. And oh, he made a tackle that was oh, just so I elite. I know. I mean, just you just I mean, you could just see it. You're like, my God, there's like three guys in the league that can make that tackle. Yeah, yeah, maybe. And, and he's and he can he can be anywhere on the field too. There's nowhere he's uncomfortable. He's perfectly at home in space on his own dropping into coverage into zone playing man uh sticking to sticking to running backs or firing through gaps uh which he did uh nicely a couple times tonight so yeah those those linebackers are going to be something uh sam achampong i thought had a a couple really nice moments after being kind of quiet last week um he showed that explosion that he's got again a couple times flew through the line a few times made a couple plays this defensive line is so strong. Even that, even that last group that was out there in the fourth quarter, those are largely guys I didn't think are. I just don't think are going to be on the team. Maybe on the practice squad. And even still, there's some nice pieces in um, in that positional group. And I wonder if a team might raid the Argos um, when they start making some cuts uh, after. Well, I guess midnight on Saturday is is when this is all supposed to go down. So. Yeah, that's that's a such a strong positional group. Uh, let's talk about the DBs. Um, we got a full half of Quantes Stiggers on the boundary corner. What did you see from him tonight? Um, I, I see what the coaches see that he has incredible uh, physical traits for a guy who didn't play college ball. For him to even be able to hold his own uh, in professional football shows. How good he can be, uh, but you you do see that he's probably not ready to start. I I don't know if if one of those touchdown busts was on him or not, but it was involved. Um, so the question is, is he going to be able to to play a, a variety of zone coverages without bust? Uh, came on late one play, looked like Pickett was yelling at him. Um, so I think there's still going to be hiccups. I I would love for him to be able to practice with the team and not be put into a starting position um maybe or maybe you know be dressed and be a special teams ace um before he starts playing some more but he's clearly talented enough to to play i mean so i hope i hope he is able to to match that with with understanding of of the playbook which is you know sometimes athletes are are not as strong as that so I, I do hope that that's the case because he looks like he can be a real, uh, a real diamond. Yeah. And this is a positional group that we felt was probably the thinnest where that was the one we were worried about if there was one um, potentially quarterback aside. And the thing is, I don't know if Robert Priester is out for any extended time and we don't know what the status of Priester is uh, I, I don't feel like he's going to be available for their first game. But again, I really don't know. Suppose he's not. Who do you go with that boundary corner? Because I know we're both saying like Stiggers isn't quite ready yet. But 
it can only really be Stiggers or Holden unless you want to move everything around and put Robertson Daniel at corner. But he's really only been getting halfback reps. So I, I don't know. Like, who do you put at corner if Priester's not ready to go week one? Uh, probably, probably Holden for me. Just because of the experience? Shown... What's that? Because of the experience? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he just has more time in the program, more, you know, more time playing high-level football. Um he, I think that he can he can be fine. I I don't think that we're going to need the same level of defensive back with the the pressure that the linebackers and the defensive line are going to put on. It's that's very different. I I do feel that's very different from last year. They that's not how the team was built last year. And I think this year that that group is going to put real pressure on, and that's going to relieve some pressure on the defensive back. So I think they can put him in there. He knows the coverages. Um, you know, he still can blitz uh, decently. I, I, I like him, and I would give Stiggers more time um, to, to you know, to get in the playbook and, and to, to get comfortable with playing professional football and, and, you know, really develop as a player. I think they're in a position where if they want – Stiggers to stay around in the organization. They need him on the roster, not on the practice roster. Oh, yeah. I think he's on the roster. I I think he's on the roster. I think for sure he's a special teamer. Because, like, look at Ottawa. Like, Ottawa lost Money Hunter. They don't have a boundary corner. Like, you know, they were, they've been trying out out Bailey. And I know they've got, I know they've got Sherrod Baltimore out there and and, uh, Dandridge. And there are some other options, but they've never really shown an interest in putting those guys to the boundary side. I could see them taking a shot with someone like that. And so I think it's pretty much either got to be either you're keeping Stiggers or you're keeping Washington and but only one and i do think they, uh, no, yeah stiggers for me yeah I, I just don't see it i don't see he he's clearly top of their depth chart yeah i, I don't sure. see, i think that's i think that's a pretty a pretty clear nod that that he's on their he's on their 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 46 and if you kind of read between the lines a bit too the number of special teams he's been on in the last couple of weeks to me is not to necessarily evaluate his special teams play but to teach him because he's going to have to play special teams because he's probably not going to be that starting boundary corner. Maybe he's behind Caleb Holden and then eventually uh, Robert Priester. And so he's going to have to earn his keep on, on special teams. And that's why they have him playing so many on the, so many of those different units because he can't, you can't just be a, a backup boundary corner and do nothing else. So to me, that's kind of, that's what I read out of that situation. Yeah, he's he's built to be a fantastic special teamer. Yeah, and I I think I think that that pretty much nails down the team. And we know what we've got in our specialists, and um, there's not really any question marks there. But I I think that's what we're going to see, and we'll have a sense of things. We don't know when the the Argos will release all the information, but we know that uh, Saturday at midnight cuts have to be made, and it should come out over the next. Uh, 24 hours after that, uh, who's staying and who's going and who's going to be on that practice squad. And then we got to sit tight and hope that the guys they have on the practice squad stay on the practice squad. But yeah, I don't envy the coaches having to make some of these decisions because um, it's just it's just not going to be easy. There's going to be a lot of very talented football players let go. 
Well, JB, uh, I think that will just about wrap us up for our post-game reaction podcast. Our next podcast is our bi-week podcast as we get you set for week one of the regular season in which the Argos are not featured. But we've got a lot of season-long things to talk about. And we'll also look at some things that Argos fans should be considering in week one as the Argos get set for their own season opener in week two, which is also their home opener on Father's Day. Uh, And it's going to be the uh, banner unfurling, the ring giveaway, all sorts of things going on uh, with the the Cats in town. And we'll we'll start getting ready uh, for that next week in our bi-week podcast. For JB, this is Ben Grant saying so long, and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see ya. Go Toronto Argos, go, go, go. Pull together, fight the 